0: All right, we are continuing in our series in the book of Colossians, so if you would turn to Colossians chapter 3. In verses 1 through 4, Paul writes, If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. This, these first four verses really sets the tone for the rest of the chapter and the rest of the book. In Colossians 3, 1-4, Paul urges us to see all of life from a heavenly view because of our new identity in being united with Christ. And from there, he goes on to show us the particulars of this heavenly perspective by reminding us of the ways in which we used to live in verses 5 through 8 and, and putting to death those things, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry, ways in which we as Christians should no longer live. And we're exhorted to get rid of these ways, these things, so that our lives prove to have been genuinely transformed by the work of God in Christ. Now, these verses, though, do more than just address our personal identity. They primarily focus on our identity as the people of God, as the church of God. That these transforming changes in our lives are to affect the way we live with one another, not just privately and individually, but how we live with one another, that we're to imitate Christ, to put on the clothing of Christ, as Paul writes here, that we're to wear the clothing of Christ. As a husband, there is a dreadful moment that occasionally occurs, rarely, but enough. It's when Marilyn has recently shopping for clothes, and she comes home, she tries them on, and she asks me, what do you think? Now, I love my wife, and her beauty is only exceeded by her godliness in my eyes. And most times, the clothing choices that she makes are impeccable. But there are those rare moments when what she has purchased does not flatter her. And I think it distracts, in a sense, from her, her beauty. And then it's at that moment my mind begins to race. How do I say this? You know, what, what will she think? You know, was it on sale is not a good response. Um, <laughs> I, know, I know, I'm having a migraine and I'm not seeing very well at, at this moment. Now, I want her her clothes to enhance what is already evident, which is her inner beauty. That's what I desire. And Paul, in a similar way, is encouraging us to put on the clothes of Christ to enhance what has already taken place within this inner change, this transformation that now that we are united to Christ, he is lovingly, and powerfully at work within each one of us, wanting us to imitate him, to look like him, to be clothed in his wardrobe, to enhance what is already in our hearts. Things that weren't there prior to coming to faith in Christ. And last week we read all about that. We studied that in verses 12 through 14 about the attitudes that we're to put on With Christ, put on then in verse 12 as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Put on compassionate hearts. Put on kindness. Put on humility. Put on meekness. Put on patience. Bear with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. And above all, these put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. You see the corporate element, the corporate design for these verses. That it's not just about our individual lives, but these are the things, the compassion and the patience and humility and meekness and bearing with one another and forgiving one another and loving one another. All of these must take place in a corporate setting. They must take place among ourselves. They don't happen in isolation. And so Paul is is setting the stage for us as we continue on now this morning in verse 15. So let me read our passage this morning. Look at verse 15. Paul goes on to say, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. That's it. Here, Paul continues his commands for how we're to live together. He continues to letting us know how we're to live in light of the saving work of Christ in our lives. That how we are to live practically with one another mentioned in the earlier verses, and here's another step. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Now, first and foremost, that we need to remember that there is no peace of Christ without first being at peace with Christ. That that's the foundation of our relationship and our unity with one another, that we are at peace with Christ before we express the peace of Christ to each other. Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.13 and 14, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. We now have a peace, literally, that has no equal. We have a peace that has no equal. No longer are we at war with God. No longer are we enemies of God. No longer are we under the judgment of God because God has made peace with us. And now we are eternally secure in his love and in his promises because we are at peace with him. The the peace we enjoy is his peace as the creator of peace who enjoys perfect peace within the Trinity, that peace is extended to us. We get to live in the peace of Christ, and it is this peace that he gives to us, even in a world as troubled as ours, as filled with, with conflict as much as our world is filled with. It is this peace, it is his peace, that stands literally as a century 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 over our hearts guarding us and protecting us John 14:27 peace i leave with you my peace i give you not as the world gives do i give to you and philippians 4:7 larry read this morning and the peace of god which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Peace is a constant theme for Paul throughout his letters, and here in, in Colossians, verse verse two, "Grace and peace to you from God our Father." Verse 20 in this wonderful hymn of Paul's, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This quote isn't going to be shown, but Doug Moo said in this verse, Paul is saying that the peace that characterizes the new self, meaning the church, should be a ruling principle, a ruling virtue in our innermost being, and that it should affect all our relationships. In verse 15, Paul is not talking about peace with respect to this personal internal peace that we've just read about, the peace that we have with God, the the peace we experience in life. He's not talking about this personal peace as he's talking about a peace that extends horizontally to one another. So when he talks about the peace of Christ ruling in your hearts, he's not talking about peace ruling in a way that you feel good in respect to your own personal life, but he's talking about a peace that rules in your heart in the way you relate to one another. In the body of Christ, as he mentions here, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body. Paul is continuing this theme of corporate unity, unity in the church. It's common that Throughout Paul's letters that he does this, in Ephesians 4, he says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Much similarity between the Colossian letter and the Ephesian letter. And So my proposition for you today is this. The peace we have with Christ Must rule our hearts so we can live in peace with each other. The peace we enjoy with Christ, we have with Christ, must rule our hearts so that we can live in peace with one another. Three points this morning. The first one is the command for peace to rule. First part of verse 15, the command for peace to rule. So 15a, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Peace is not only Jesus' gift to us, but also his desire for us in the way in which we live with one another, in this church, this body. It's his peace that begins in my salvation and continues in my sanctification. Peace is a part of the sanctification process. Peace is peace is more than an absence of hostility. It's far more than that. It's it literally it's the currency that makes unity possible because we're now at peace with Christ. Paul's appeal is simple but it's powerful. He he's communicating this to us this morning. He's communicating this to Grace Church this morning. God is speaking through this passage to speak to us this morning. He's saying, God, I've made peace with you. I have forgiven you. I have covered your sins. I have sacrificed for you. I continue to always seek fellowship with you. Oh, Christian." Let this attitude rule in your heart. Pursue peace with each other. Now, this doesn't mean the absence of conflict. It means a Christ-like response to conflict. Conflict is inevitable in our church an offhand comment that's made that is insensitive or feels to be insensitive. Something said at the wrong moment. Something, somebody's kidding around, trying to be humorous, and it just falls flat. It's always with the letting out of our words. Primarily what we say, or how we say it, when we say it, what context we say it. And somehow it just, conflict gets created. And peace starts to take a bit of a hit at that moment. And this is what Paul is saying. Let the peace of Christ rule. Now, peace is, the Greek word rule is where we get the idea for umpire. Peace is to act as an umpire. Let The peace of Christ be an umpire in your heart amidst the conflicts of life. Let it decide what is right. Let it decide. Let it be your counselor. Now, we are to to embrace this peace. And I realize that with the baseball fans among us, you don't like umpires. (laughs) But that's not the umpire here the peace that is to rule our lives, the peace that is to umpire our hearts is the peace that we have from Christ. It's the peace we enjoy with Christ. I'm not a fan of umpires myself. My dad was once the commissioner of umpires in the Little League Baseball League that I was in, and I was playing in an all-star game. My dad, as the, the head umpire, was... Umpiring behind home plate. And uh, first time up at bat, he called me out on strikes. My own father. <laughs> Unfortunately, he did not let his personal feelings get in the way of what was true. <laughs> and you know what? Neither should we. We don't allow our emotions and our feelings to determine our course of action, to determine what is right. Instead, we let the peace of Christ umpire, rule what is going on. And God knows the emotion that comes along with conflict, the emotion that comes along with relational difficulty, the emotion that can rule rather than peace. How Painful that can be at times, how difficult that can be at times. R.C. Lucas in his commentary said this It is inconceivable that those who share with one another the benefits of that great peacemaking work of the cross should live with any hatred or contempt for each other in their hearts. That is what the peace of Christ is battling against hatred and contempt for each other in our hearts. Instead, the peacemaking work of the cross should rule, should umpire our hearts. As Paul wrote in Ephesians, we are to make every effort, make every effort to maintain the spirit of unity in the bond of peace. So we are to put on the clothing of Christ that we may be at peace with one another in Grace Church. if we don't let peace rule our hearts trust me division will rule in our midst this is i'm so grateful for expository preaching this passage just this is where we are next in line in the passage i'm not i'm not under compulsion or it's not a necessity to preach this passage because we are experiencing disunity in Grace Church. It's not a response to that. We are enjoying peace in Grace Church. What a gift that is from God. And it's because you do make every ever effort, it's because you do work. But the time to be prepared, the time to be ready, is, is not in the midst of conflict, it's now. It's now. Now is the time to put this into practice. Now is the time to make this a reality in your life. Now is the time. So when game day comes, and it will. When game day comes and conflict arises, this is what you have in your heart. Psalm 119, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. This is what's ruling in your heart instead of scrambling through your emotions at that moment, you're prepared. So, first, the command to let peace rule. Let it umpire your heart. But Paul doesn't just stop there. and, and it, In a way, it seems like he's, he's kind of gotten off track towards the last part of the verse where he says, and be thankful. It's like, okay, we're where are you going with this and 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 look at this is this is how paul is is doing this in verse 13 he he says and forgive one another and uh, in verse 14 and above all put on love and let the peace of christ and be thankful and then he goes on and whatever you do paul is just one after another listing the commands listing this is how we're to live with one another. And here he says, and be thankful. Thankful for what? Well, first and foremost, to give thanks for the saving grace of God in our lives. That's where we always start. Because here is another constant theme in Paul's letters, and that is the theme of thanksgiving. But it's from that foundation of being thankful for God's saving grace in our lives, that we are to be thankful for the saving grace and work in the lives of the people sitting next to you. To be thankful for those people. Now, thankfulness always is first and foremost centered on the atoning, sacrificial work of Christ. But it has expression. It has expression in our worship, the way we thank God, the way we praise God. And it has expression in the way we treat one another, that we are thankful for one another. Doug Moose says this. He says, believers who are filled with gratitude for God, for his gracious calling will find it easier to extend to fellow believers the grace of love and forgiveness and put aside petty issues that might inhibit the expression of peace in the community even in the difficulty of relational challenges, there is much to be thankful for. We are to be thankful that we are at peace with Christ and that He gives us the power and the ability and the grace through His Spirit to live at peace with one another. We're to be thankful that we don't live alone, that we have a body around us, a body that cares for us, that serves us, that we can serve, that unites with us, that protects us, that we protect. There's so much to be thankful for. Just look at what happened over these past few weeks as we've lost a number of of Grace Church members to death. And the way the church has rallied around and cared for one another. Oh, those are the things that we're thankful for but oftentimes those are the things that are quickly forgotten in the midst of conflict. Relational difficulty is is very challenging. Look around today. Who are you thankful for? Look around today. Who might you be in conflict with? How can you begin to let the peace of Christ Rule in your hearts so that you can be thankful for them. When Christ rules in our hearts, his peace will rule in our fellowship. And it will inspire a gratefulness for each other and a thankfulness that God has put us together. You know, at times it was necessary for Paul to urge peace in the churches. In Philippians 4, he had to urge Yodia uh, and Synctae to agree with one another because they weren't in agreement with one another there. And they're not the last Christians to not get along. <laughs> oh, my goodness they are certainly not the last Christians to not get along or to find it difficult to get along with one another. Um, it's, it's hard at times to be thankful for a person um, as the way God lets them work in your life, <laughs> that God uses them in your life. And maybe you think that the person you're dealing with is impossible. That There's just no way this relationship is going to work. There's no way this relationship is ever going to come together. I love this story. Jonathan Edwards is told about his daughter. Jonathan Edwards had a daughter with an ungovernable temper. As is often the case, the problem was not known to the outside world. A young man fell in love with his daughter and sought her hand in marriage. You can't have her, was the abrupt answer Jonathan Edwards But I love her, the young man replied. You can't have her, said Edwards. But she loves me, replied the young man. Again, Edwards said, you can't have her. Why, asked the young man. Because she is not worthy of you. But he asked, she is a Christian, is she not? Yes, she is a Christian. But the grace of God can live with some people with whom no one else could ever live. (laughs) Don't we all feel that way at times? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Maybe you feel that way about someone right now. They are impossible to live with. In fact, I'm sure the grace of God's having trouble with them right now. (laughs) But all of us, every person in this room, can be impossible at times. Every person in this room can be impossible to live with, can be difficult in relationships, can be difficult to be at peace with. Every person in this room. And that is why we must strive for peace. We must be thankful for one another that God is at work in each other's lives. And that's often what happens is that we just we miss seeing God at work in other people's lives. And so Paul just lets us know, let peace rule and work to be thankful. It takes work to give thanks in a situation like that. So first, the command to let peace rule, the command to be thankful, and then the third point is the reason for both. The reason why we can let peace rule, the reason why we can be thankful, and why we should be thankful. Why should peace rule? Because you are members of one another, and you've been, look at this, this is Paul's wonderful commitment to laying strong grounding in our lives theologically. Verse 15 And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body there is that calling again that being chosen in Christ again you were chosen to be in Christ before the foundation of the world paul writes in ephesians before the world ever existed you were chosen you were called to be in Christ you were called to live a new life that strives to put to death hostility and strife and anger and malice and rather put on Christ. Doug Moo says this, in all these texts, the point is that God has chosen his people not simply to be his people, but to live a certain kind of life. That life is bound up with the calling and cannot be separated from it. The gospel is inescapably individual in its focus. Each of us on our own is called by God and responds in faith on our own. Yet, at the same time, the gospel is inescapably corporate. We are called along with other people with whom we make up one body. As Christ's own body, the new self, we belong inextricably to one another. And the pursuit of peace as a reigning principle follows naturally from that corporate reality. So, think, before the foundation of the world, you were called to be God's own child. But also, before the foundation of the world, you were called to live in the body of Christ. You were called to live with One another. You were chosen before the foundation of the world to be here right now at this moment with these people. Now let that sink in for a moment. In the wisdom and sovereign grace of God, in the mind of God, before all of this existed, this moment, this church, was prepared for you. So like these people. (laughs) And this is why we strive for peace. Listen, church membership is significant and we take it seriously. Why? Because we're not joining a club or a hobby group When we commit to a local church, we're joining a body. We're joining the body of Christ. We're united to Christ so that we can live out the reality of this verse in our lives for the good of one another, but also for the good of the world, for the good of the community around us, for the good of those who don't know Jesus Christ. John 13, 35 speaks it well by this. Listen, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The reason that we let peace rule in our hearts, the peace of Christ, the reason we are thankful for one another is because we've been called to this. We've been chosen for this by God. So my question and application today is, what does rule in your conflict? What are your conflicts like? Is it the peace of Christ, or is it the desire to come out on top? To get your Opinion, your preference, your position to be at the top. Which road do you take in the midst of conflict? Do you take the easy road where you just separate yourself from others? I've had enough. I'm done with them. I don't want to talk to them anymore. Or do you take the more bumpy road of peacemaking? Paul writes in Romans 12, as far as it is with you Strive to be at peace with all men. I love what Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, we, we ought to be resolved to judge all things by the peace of God. What ought I to do in this case? Must I humble myself? I do not like it. But how I ought to, how ought I to act? Shall I yield? Pride says, never, no, no, play the man, never give in. But what does the peace of God say? It says, yield, submit. Christ says, I say unto you that you resist not evil, but whoever shall smite you on your right cheek, turn to him the other also. Sometimes achieving peace is difficult. We can can attempt all we know to do to be at peace with someone, and they may be unwilling, they may be disinterested, maybe. They don't think they've done anything wrong at all. Now that's how do you work that one out? You've offended me. No, I haven't. Where do you go with that? You cry out for grace, you treat them not as you think they deserve to be treated, but as Christ would treat them. You can act as though they don't exist by ignoring them, or you can gossip about them, or you can slander them. That's the old self that Paul says, get rid of. Instead, you press on, as we read in verses 12 through 14, which, and above all, well, put on then as God's chosen one, holy and beloved, Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect unity. Finally, our friend Charles Spurgeon says this. Whenever I have suffered a grievous wrong, it has been a satisfaction to me that <clears throat> if my Lord Jesus Christ made atonement for my offenses and my wrongs, I can look at his atonement for the wrong done to me as well as to God. For he satisfied all parties in that quarrel. Gladly do I say, surely this poor soul may well be forgiven by me, for you have died a sinner as a sinner's substitute in comparison with my own offenses against God, I may well look upon this man's offense as nothing. Brothers and sisters, I love Grace Church. I love you. And I know you love one another. But maintaining the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace doesn't happen casually. It happens intentionally. It happens as we strive, as we strive to let the peace of Christ rule our hearts. It happens as we are thankful for one another, thankful for the person who at times does make life difficult because it allows me to be transformed even more into the image of Christ. Not comfortably, but it does happen. And so as we continue to move forward in in our lives together in this church. Let this verse, let these verses be foundational to the way we partner together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Because there'll be a day when conflict may arise and we have to know where to go so that we can stand firm before the Lord.